Um, this morning, I got a message called Wisdom for a Generation, and it's really, um, I kind of was thinking about it geared toward middle schoolers and high schoolers. We got some of those in here. Uh, I can see across the room. And so this is a message for you. Uh, surprisingly, for you, I was once in middle school. Uh, I was once in high school. Even more mind-blowing for you, your parents were once in middle school. In high school, even more mind-blowing, your pa- your grandparents were probably at once in school, high school, and uh, and so this is a, this is a little bit from a, a, a mindset that uh, that that you know this is not a graduation speech, uh, but this is a bit of a mindset, a wisdom, some wisdom for a generation. As I was thinking through this, like. This is not just for you all, so, you know, parents, grandparents, uh, myself, this is for all of us, okay? Um, and so we're going to walk through uh, some of this. There's, there's a verse in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, that uh, says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. This was Paul writing to what was uh, um, uh, his son in the faith, as he called him, Timothy. Paul was a pastor, he was a preacher. Timothy was someone he had taken under his wing and was teaching him how to be a pastor and a preacher. And this was a letter he wrote to Timothy uh, while he, Timothy was pastoring at a church called Ephesus, which Paul had started, a town called Ephesus. It was writing to him, he said, Don't let anybody look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And as I was thinking about this, I began to think about, you know, what would I say? What would I say? And I could come up with a lot of things that I would say to you to give you advice. But I really don't want to give advice this morning. I want to give wisdom. And, uh, and, and I'm not the source of wisdom. Okay? So I'm going to this place. Uh, but my buddy, he's a pastor. Um, actually graduated high school with him. He's a pastor just outside of Louisville. And he put a thing on his... Uh, Facebook page because apparently they were doing a seniors day to day as well and he he just he said I'm crowdsourcing advice for seniors you know and so I could have said some of these things um, that people wrote on there that are, some of it's pretty good stuff you don't have to decide what career you will do for the rest of your life right now consider a skilled trade instead of college if you decide college isn't what you want to do take time when selecting your career path and weigh all options don't drop the ball on regular maintenance type things, oil changes, teeth cleanings. Wow, that's somebody from experience. Something has happened there. Or you'll pay the price down the road. Put money in your savings. You don't have to spend every penny you make. Uh, and then one that said, being, believe in yourself. Explore your world. Imagine possibilities. No fear. No regrets. Give your all. I don't necessarily love that one. No fear, no regrets. Um, and so as I thought about this and I prayed about it, this is I'm, I'm usually an expositional preacher. That means I go to like three verses or ten verses in the Bible and we preach. What is God saying in these verses? This is more of a topical sermon. So as I prayed about this, there's a lot, man. If I had, like I could have prepared for something like this for weeks, for months maybe, of things I would want to share and want for you to know. And so God just took me to five things to share with you. This is not all-inclusive. 
but this is some wisdom, all right? Some maybe wisdom that I wish I would have known and understood and could have latched on to uh, when I was uh, in middle school or high school. Um, uh, and, and I'm going to try to move through these pretty quick. I don't want to keep you a long time. You think, he's usually got three points, and he usually preaches like 40 minutes. This is not looking good. I'm not going to go longer than 40 minutes, I promise. Five things, they all start with P, and uh, if you take notes, I'd take, I'd take notes today. Um, and so the, the first thing that, uh, that I will say uh, is peers. You have heard lots of, uh, you may have heard the sayings that says you'll be known by the company that you keep. Have you heard that? Uh, Proverbs 13, 20, one of the wisest men to ever live because he, God said, I will give you anything, King Solomon. Anything you ask, I will give to you. And King Solomon said, wisdom. I want wisdom. And so if you want to find wisdom in the world, go read Proverbs, the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. But this comes from Proverbs 13, 20. It says, he who walks with wise men will be wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I remember I got saved when I was, uh, I was nine years old. And when I was in eighth grade, uh, I never really lived out my faith in a big way. But when I was in eighth grade, I found this new friend. And uh, he'd, he'd recently gotten saved. And I started hanging around with him. And there was some level of, like, when I was hanging around with somebody who was spiritually grounded like I was, like, and we set off on what we called the Blues Brothers mission to share Jesus with people. I don't even know how that happened. I don't know why it happened. But hanging around with the right person changed my mindset about who I was. And then when I got to college, uh, and I had a great group of friends in high school. Like, I really didn't know how good I had it. People who were anchored in faith. And, uh, and, and doing good and right things. And that did not happen so much when I got to college. And my mind started to change, and, uh, and they started to influence me. And, and let me tell you, your conscience can, can change, can become numb when you get around people who have a, a conscience of a different level. Does that make sense? Like people who are thinking, well, this is okay. It's okay to do this little thing. And you start thinking, wait, I never thought that was okay. But if they think it's okay, oh, wait, both of you think it's okay and we're hanging out all the time? And there's like, maybe it is okay. It says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I'm just saying, think about who your peers are, who your friends are, who your close circle is. Think about it right now, maybe in this moment. Are you the are you the good one of the group? Are you the bad one of the group? Do they know about Jesus? Do they care about Jesus? Do they care about doing good? Are they excited about doing bad? Are they rebellious? You, you just take a minute and think about those people. Think about who your friends are do they act wise and, and this is good for all of us you never want to be the like the most successful the smartest one in your group right that to grow is to always be around people who are better stronger in their faith than you and you want to surround yourself by the right people 
Let me take Shonda, for example. Many of you have been with our church for a long time. Shonda was someone who was in an uh, active addiction, uh, and she got put in jail, and she started coming to our church through the West Care program in the jail. She got out, and when she was around us, she was strong. When she was around people of faith that believed, that loved her, that were doing good and doing the right things, she was strong. She had nowhere to live when she got out, and she moved into the homeless shelter. And she called us one day and said, everybody around me is doing heroin. I can't do this. And our church made a humongous effort to get her out of that place. Because she, was, she realized, i got to choose my peers wisely. This path of who I choose to be in my closest inner circle impacts my future. And so I'm going to protect it. And we got her out of there. She's three years clean, got an apartment, full-time job for like two years, got her kids back. An amazing story of someone who's consistently picked to put the right people around them. That's the first one. See, I'm moving through these quick. Peers. Think about it. Think about your peers. Two, man, this is a tough one for all of us, especially maybe coming out of high school, is purpose. Is we get tied up uh, so much in thinking we got to find our purpose and what we're meant to do in life. And uh, someone to just share some scripture around this for you and give you a little bit of guidance. I could have preached a whole sermon on this, maybe a whole series, maybe for a year. I don't know. There's a lot here, but I'm going to hit the highlights. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Man, that's a beautiful verse, isn't it? That's one of my favorite verses, Ephesians 2.10. Then once you've given your heart to Christ, you're created new in Christ Jesus, you actually, you do have purpose. That he has actually created things, good things, for you to do. Not that, oh, I got an idea. You should, uh, not like this morning when people didn't show up because they were sick. And I was like, hey, you could run the video cameras. Hey, you can do check-in. Hey, you can, like, it was not like that. This is like long ago from the foundations of creation. God knew you were going to be born, knew you were going to give your life to him. And I got work planned for that person good things for them planned to do long ago. Does it feel like that all the time? No. No, sometimes we feel like we're just going through the grind. Like sometimes we feel like there can't be purpose in what I'm doing right now. I'm not making a difference. And yet we find in Ephesians 4, I thought I had it up there. I'm going to look it up. Oh, I have it in a different section, so we'll talk about it again. But I want to read it right now. Ephesians 4, 28, I believe. Ephesians 4.28, Paul said to the church of Ephesus, Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. 
When I read that verse, I was preaching through the book of Ephesians one time when I came to it. I realized that that's not so much purpose in, in, in what we are doing, but realizing that God designed us just to work. Just to get things done every day. It doesn't mean, when I say designed you to work, it doesn't mean you get a W-2 and you go get, you go to work. I mean, every day you were created to every day get up and like make a list of things to do and get them done. Like it could be a, a mom that's cleaning the house. It could be, it could be uh, and taking care of the kids. It could be a dad that's working. It could be a high school student that's doing good in school and getting their homework done. Whatever it is, what God has not called us to do is to sit around and wait till we find the purpose. Does this sound like a generation? My generation, maybe a little. I'm just waiting to find the right thing that touches my heart. And then I promise I'll get up. Oh, is that wrong? No, right? That's like sometimes we get to that point in our life. Like, I'm just, it's got to be the right thing. I, I, no, there's just no job for me, really, you know. Uh, it's just, I, I want purpose. I can't work. I cannot work at Wendy's. That's no purpose. But God has designed us to work. And I, I'll tell you, one thing in life, and I might as well get to this. Uh, let's see if I have another ver verse around purpose. Nope. Just put some in the wrong place. We're all over the place. It's fun. Third one, perseverance. There is something to be said about not quitting. Okay? There's something to be said about not quitting. Colossians 3.23 said, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Listen, there was a time in my life where I was doing a job I absolutely, it felt so meaningless. It felt so pointless. It felt so like I'm just doing this every day. And there was times I wanted to quit. And there was times I thought my boss doesn't care one thing about what I do. And it turned out when I quit, he didn't care one thing about what I did. But I remember, I think, in the, that moment, that season, that was my first full-time job out of college. And I remember in that season, God just working on me and be like, just do it. Just do the this is an incredible principle that will change your life. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing right now, you give it your best. You do everything you can to do it as well and as good as you can. Because my boss wasn't watching, but somebody else was. Okay, this is not just biblical. This is like life principle. Like somebody else said, man, Jared, you're working hard down at that store for somebody else. I think you could do this for me. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is just a life principle. You don't ever want to be the one people's looking at and saying, man, that person really isn't giving it their all. They don't care. They're not trying hard. Because hard work will outdo ability ten times in a row. Because I've had ability. I mean, when I was in high school, I was a smart kid and did nothing. I did not apply myself. It does you no good to be smart and great and capable if you don't apply it. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, I just said this, but must work doing something useful with their own hands. And I love this, the purpose of work, that they may have something, 
what in their IRA? In the retire so that you you need to go out and work hard so you've got a big retirement. No, you need to go out and work hard so you can have the nicest place and the perfect car. You know that dream car you've got. That's why you go out and work hard. So you can provide for no, not just provide for your family. Because you know what God said: if you seek first the kingdom, He'll feed you, clothe you, shelter. Like He's promised all that. Here's he says, we go out and work hard so that we have may, may have something to share. Man, you're working hard to give it away. That's really the purpose. You're working hard to give it away, to share with those in need. I'm not saying every dollar. I'm not saying you shouldn't retire. But there's this principle that changes your mindset when you realize God has blessed me so I can bless others. Take care of your family. Take care of your future. Be smart, but don't worship it. Okay? Don't worship it. Let me see. Got another thought here. Peers, purpose, perseverance. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test... He will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. I stand right here. Many of you have heard me say when we moved into this building, many uh, of our, uh, of our uh, attendees at the time and members at the time wrote verses all over the stage. They're all under this carpet. Uh, I wrote one right here. It's from Philippians when Paul said, you know what? I realize I've not attained the goal, the prize, but one thing I do is I don't look behind me. He said, one thing I do is I press on. Like we don't quit when it gets hard. We don't quit when we fail. We don't quit when it feels like God's left us because we know the promises that he hasn't. We don't, we don't quit when life didn't go like we planned. We don't quit when we messed up so bad it's embarrassing. We don't, we don't quit when we've made the terrible mistake. We don't quit when we feel like we've sinned so much that God could not love us. We don't quit. We persevere. It says when we stood the test, we'll receive the crown of life. Perseverance. So we got peers, we got purpose, we got perseverance, and then purity. You will be tempted to cheat. Absolutely. In school, at work, you will be tempted to fudge numbers. You will be tempted to copy homework assignments. You will be tempted to download a full written report off some website you can buy it from. You will be tempted to have a friend that already took the class you're taking and has all the notes. You will be tempted to cheat. You'll be tempted to lie. And this is something like I, I felt this, uh, maybe in life I felt this pressure like, so you want me to do good. And I, I felt a pressure around that about maybe, uh, maybe that was a heaven hell thing. 
that like I gotta I gotta do enough good and, and and a little enough wrong so that hopefully I can get into heaven. And so I I want to come at this at, at a different angle for you. I, I want you to tell you I can promise you, man. Sin has a benefit and a pleasure and a joy for a season. It will be tempting. But let me tell you, you and and, and forgiveness is there for it. But let me tell you, sin is pleasurable for a season, but it comes with a lifetime of consequences that you can't change. You can get forgiveness, but there's some things in your life you can make decisions that you can never change. And I think every person that's older old as me, older than me, like every year you get older, you're like, man, I wish I could tell the person one year younger than me, don't make stupid decisions. And how do we know to say that? By experience. Because we've made stupid decisions. Ephesians 4, through 24 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Purity describes who you are and what you do. It's in the heart. You know you can be impure in the heart. I mean, you can be looking just perfect on the outside and be coveting everything on the inside. You can be lusting off after somebody. You can have all kinds of things in the heart that you let go unchecked, out of control, and in your thought. You know, it, it comes in the, your hands and the things that you do and use your hands for. It comes in your eyes, the things you choose to look at. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Y'all remember that song, don't you? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above, He is looking down with love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Ears, what you listen to. So, how does this play out? Maybe it plays out in relationships. Significant others, boyfriends, girlfriends. Everybody else is doing things. Everybody else is talking about it. There, there will be a season in your life where, where you marry somebody. And let me tell you where purity matters is when you're making that list and you're sharing things. And you're talking about things because there's this thing that comes around that comes with sin that, that nobody likes and nobody wants to be a part of. And it's called regret. It comes with decisions, things you decide to put in your body, whether it's alcohol or whether it's drugs. All things that seem fun at, at, at some point and seem, seem harmless. 
until you meet the people that we met that it's destroyed lives and families and, and it's caused people to steal from people they love and it's called, caused people to be so selfish and forget their kids like it started at some point when it met felt like nothing. Purity in our lifestyle when it comes to money and, and a hunger for it First uh, Timothy six eleven says there's going to be some that are just seeking after money, and said so the love of money is the root of all evil. It says, but you, Timothy, O man of God, flee from these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Paul told the Philippians, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best that may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Why purity? Well, we know that the wages of sin are what? Are death. Not one sin, not one particular sin, or not because you had this many and that person had this many. Because every human being that's ever born is born, and we inherited the sin of Adam, and we have a sinful nature. The wages Listen to death. I don't, I'm not asking you to try to be as good as you can so you can get to heaven. That is not what I'm saying here today. I want you to realize you've sinned, and I want you to put your faith in Jesus. We're going to get to the fifth one here, but first I want to tell you why purity is important. Two reasons, really, for me. I shared one of them. Uh, is to avoid regret. There will be things in your life you will at some point, you will have more than likely a child that says, Daddy, did you ever? <clears throat> Mommy, did you ever? And you lie and go to hell. Or are you honest about brokenness? Or are you putting on a mirage of perfection that your child can never live up to? Because there's a fifth thing. There's a fifth thing that matters. Oh, wait, I didn't tell you the second thing. Avoid regret. The second thing about, person, uh, about purity is this verse right here. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let me tell you what sin does. Every sin that is active in your life that's unrepentant separates you from your creator. It separates you from a closeness to him. It separates you from ability to hear him clearly and his purpose and his desire and his will for your life. And you become totally consumed with what the devil's telling you and lies is telling you. You can't even hear the truth anymore and you get confused about the truth. But there's a fifth thing. 
Peers, purpose, perseverance, purity. I don't know how I came up with these. It's what God put in my heart. Here's the fifth one. It's a person. If somebody could go back, if I could go grab Jared, senior in high school, Jesus is not just a story. He is a real person. And you're going to be confronted with things. This person of Jesus Christ, about what you're going to do with him, and especially if you're, if you're like leaving high school and going into college or you're in college. Hey Amen. My world blew up when I got to college when I realized like a majority of the people in my class didn't even believe in God. And I was in a government program for two years. Uh, I got a minor in government at, at, at Moorhead State. And a majority of my professors were atheists. And there becomes this debate. And what I want to tell you is that you do not have to throw your brain in the garbage to believe in Jesus Christ. There are a lot of smart people. And let me tell you, I went on a journey. Because I was here and I was surrounded by everybody who didn't believe and, and thought Jesus was just a great teacher. I mean, in this professor's class that was a straight-up atheist, told us the first day, I'm an atheist. I will convince you by the end of this semester. In his class, we read the Sermon on the Mount. Political theory. Jesus, he was a good teacher. And so I got confronted. What am I going to do about Jesus? What, wait, 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 wait. I've not been armed. I'm not ready to debate this and understand it. Is he right? Is this right? Like all these questions start coming to my mind. And it really, it really all comes down to what do you believe about the resurrection of Jesus? Like do you believe he died, he was crucified? But do you believe on the third day, like he did what no other man did, that, that confirmed all of his claims, and he was resurrected? Do you believe that? And so I went on this journey. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, um, a bit of an intellectual journey. To say, do I have to be, I mean, I can be smart and still believe this, Right? And I discovered all these smart people that actually believe this. And I realized that the Gospels, the four accounts in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are some of the most historical. You can't poke a hole in them, even by atheists. They are records by four different people about the story of Jesus Christ. And if, if you ever have an issue with this, I would encourage you to go watch the movie, The Case for Christ, read the book, case for the cross. I think it's Lee Strobel's the guy that wrote it. Go watch that. You will see how he, he goes and he re and I realize, hey man maybe, and I'm looking around at the world and I'm looking around at all these amazing things and I'm saying, I think it takes as much faith to believe that there's no God. Like, how, do you think this is really just a chance? Just that like this was just circumstances? That like one millionth of a degree tilt in the earth's axis and we're all dust? And I realized that in this fifth thing, you've got wisdom for a generation, your peers, your purpose, your perseverance, your purity, this person of Jesus. I 
thought about Romans 10, 8 through 9, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. These really aren't, aren't five things, okay? Because you, you can go your whole life working on the first four without the fifth one, and it will mean nothing. Like, you can strive to be pure. You can, you, I mean, you can actually be the best. You could be, like, almost perfect like you think you are. You could never quit. You could persevere. I, I, I mean, you could just feel like filled with so much purpose. You could just have the best friends you feel like. But still find the emptiness. And miss everything that matters if you miss the fifth. Because God made you. And Jesus was God. And Jesus loves you. And it says we are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. Like if you want to find real peers and community and family and friends, it's in the body of Christ. If you want to find real purpose, then you've got to know the one who made you. If you really want to persevere, then you've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit that gives you strength to do in Christ Jesus things you cannot do on your own. And if you want purity, he was perfection. And the Bible says when we put our faith in him, our sins become white as snow. And it says we are created anew. And those things that felt like obstacles, like trying to be good, all of a sudden we want to be good. We care. We are so grateful that God saved us even though we weren't good. And so, God, I want to be good for you I want because I want to be a witness for you. I don't want to affect my ability to be a leader for you, to serve you. Like, I don't want regrets. I want as much purity. I want as much righteousness in my life as I can. And, and, and so, God, that's what I want. And so let's pray this morning. God, we come to you. And we are so thankful. That your son Jesus is not just a story. That he's not just a good teacher. But God, that he was the perfect lamb of God who sacrificed, the perfect sacrifice for our sins. God, that our righteousness are as filthy rags. But God, when we put our faith in him and we profess, confess with my mouth, believe in my heart that he was resurrected, God, that you make us new and you renew our minds and you change the attitude of our heart. When we repent and feel guilty and bad for the sin of God, you take all the guilt away, you take all the shame away, you take all the worry away, you take the, the worry about hell. God, this is, we, we find nothing but gratitude in heaven from the gift that you've given us. And God, let us anchor our life not in the first four of these things. 
We've got to let us see that the foundation that we build on, that's not the lies of this world about money and power and sex and fame and what feels good and what's right and what's fun. is nothing but sinking sand. And God, eventually, it shifts and it crumbles and it falls. God, let us be a generation that points another generation to build their life on the rock, the solid ground that is your son, Jesus Christ. sing one song this morning as we close we invite you to stand with us maybe I was wrong and this was not a message for every one of us in here today but I want to tell you if God's dealing with your heart if you realize man I have built my foundation on the wrong things I want you to know that before you spoke a word God was singing over you that's scripture they formed you in the womb that he loves you. Before you breathe the breath, he breathed his life in you. Yeah, that he loves you, that he leaves the 99 to find you, that, that he works through circumstances and people in your life that have brought you here today to tell you this is straight from Jesus. He loves you. And he doesn't care what you've done, where you've been. All he cares is do you believe in him? giving him everything. I invite you this morning to do that here, to do it after. Talk to me after. Talk to somebody. Make sure your life is where it's supposed to be.